You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts now and for the rest of uh, our time together and today uh, to receive your word. Give us uh, humility uh, to listen to what you have to say to us in your scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the, uh, yeah, by the way, I'm wearing a, a Christmas tie. That's Frosty the Snowman. Um, uh, I've gotten some sarcasm, uh, some askance looks this morning. Um, but I love Christmas. Uh, I really do. I mean, I, 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 I wish, I almost wish that, I, at least emotionally, that I and, and we, so many of us, loved Easter as much as we love Christmas. Because Easter really is theologically and, I mean, um, realistically more important for us. But Christmas is really special and unique. And I'll add into Christmas the Advent season. I'm not bah humbug and separate those. I really see December as a huge uh, season and into January where uh, we're uh, really, we have a, a massive blessing uh, to be exposed to such large amounts of Scripture across the, the whole narrative of the Bible. That's the, the thing I really love about Christmas. Uh, and the, the carols, the music is great, but uh, more than the music is that entire narrative of salvation history that we read uh, through this season. And that we also sing uh, in the lyrics of some of the great uh, Christmas carols. It's the greatest story in the universe. It's the story behind the entire universe, actually. Um, it's the meta narrative that explains our place in history as we know it. H- history has a beginning and it has an end. It has an end that's coming. And uh, many things happen along the way. Some of those things are glorious. Some glorious things happen along the way in history, uh, but some things are also tragic in that uh, story. And without uh, even reading the Bible, you can, you can pick up on this just by living life. We all know that something isn't right about our world. The world as we know it has uh, many problems. We live in a, a broken world, you could call it. I mean, if you just turn on the TV, or maybe you don't watch TV, if you just look at social media, you look at the news right now, you're going to see a, a massive amount of brokenness. You'll see plenty of political conflict. Uh, around the impeachment uh, and internationally with things like Brexit or, or here also domestically with the 2020 presidential election. Can you believe there's going to be another election? Doesn't that feel like it was just uh, yesterday? Uh, there, there are wars and rumors of wars between uh, Russia and uh, the Ukraine, civil wars in the Middle East and Latin America that are leading to, to massive exoduses of people, refugee crises, and new threats once again from North Korea. And beyond this, each of us, each of you, have your own personal struggles that you experience. You, you experience them today. Uh, you'll experience them in, in this life, throughout this life, with illness, emotional struggles, uh, different crises that, that come uh, usually totally unexpectedly and, and ultimately uh, with earthly death, our own and the people that we love. Our world is in a constant state of flux and often at odds with what we most want, which is things like uh, love and peace 
uh, or happiness, or as I told a, a secular loved one of mine who I asked, could I be praying for anything for you? And he said, happiness. And I said, how about joy? Uh, we all want those things, love, peace, and joy, but the world is in such a state of flux that's at odds with this. And at the same time, though, there are instances of goodness. There are instances of love, joy, and peace uh, in this world. There's, uh, there, there are things that give us hope. Um, I have, uh, I've mentioned this before in many of my sermons because uh, I think it's funny. I have a magazine that I subscribe to called The Week, which gives a, a – um, what do they call it? It's an aggregate of news from the past week, and they have a, a maybe a third or a less of one of the front pages that says it wasn't all that bad. Uh, and it gives three small snippets of good news stories because, you know, the other 50 pages are predominantly uh, bad things uh, or, you know, full of tension. Uh, but it, they're right. It isn't all that bad. It isn't all that bad. Um, <clears throat> that's because our world was never meant to be bad or broken. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. God created material things to be good. He pronounced them uh, good, each of the things that he created. And uh, this was God's plan to begin with. And we, see, we continue to see the traces of this goodness. In, in, in this world, uh, in spite of all that, that badness and brokenness that I've mentioned. And the reason our world is broken, though, is because we broke it. The world is broken not because of something God has done, his faulty design. He created it and made it good. But it's broken uh, because we broke it. Beginning with the very first people, we see this also in Genesis and in chapter 3, all of humanity is in rebellion against God. We're living in, we have been living in rebellion uh, since the beginning, ignoring God's wishes, living on our own terms, and running this world as if we know how to do it best. And ever since the, the beginning, we've been living in disobedience from our Creator. And this rebellion, rebellion is what the Bible calls sin. Uh, this rebellion uh, this, that has infected our world with brokenness is, is what the Bible calls uh, sin. Sin isn't just the activities, the, the instances of the bad things that we do, but it's the underlying disease inside of each of us uh, and inside of our world, too. Sin is in the universe. It's in uh, all of creation because we've broken the world and it has infected uh, all of, of, of creation. Um, and although we created this mess, uh, none of us likes to live in it. <laughs> we, you know, even though we created this mess, none of us likes to live in our own uh, mess of sinful brokenness. And we, we, ironically, we try to take control of the situation and solve the problem. I personally tried to do this through... Um, through uh, trying to achieve academic and career success the first, like, 25 years of my life. I thought that I could es escape. I didn't know what was going on. I wouldn't have called it sin. I would have said that's really pessimistic, but I was trying to escape the thing that I was feeling in my life in this world. I thought if I could just get the best grades and get into the right schools and then get the right job because I went to the right schools and got the, the best grades, that that I would be able to escape all of this sinfulness. Uh, again, I wasn't calling it that, but I could, I, could, I could have rescue that way. And what happened is it led me to despair, that actually doing that drove me to my absolute end. Isn't that funny? My, 
you know, my um, down-in-the-dump scutter story had to do with, like, actually doing well in school and getting good jobs. <laughs> that that's the thing that, that, that killed me. And some of us will, will try to do it in other ways, you know, through, through using people or using substances and, and, and things like that, seek comfort, all manner of things to, to find relief um, from the sin that's infecting our lives. And funny enough, God's own chosen people, Israel, also continued to live life on their own terms, even though they had direct encounters with God. Over the centuries, God sent his prophets to call them back to his will, that they were doing similar things not only as individuals but as a whole nation. And these prophets also gave them promises about a day when the world would no longer be broken, that God would bring restoration not only to Israel but to all nations. And this is because even though we've rebelled, even though Israel rebelled, God still loves us. Humanity is God's most special creation. People are created in his image. No other uh, part of creation, no other creature is created in the image of God. God desires to be in right relationship with his people uh, once again. And since we cannot uh, fix what we have broken and the lives that we've destroyed, uh, God has done it for us. And uh, 400 years pass between basically... um, Uh, This page in the Bible and this page, 400 years where God uh, hasn't uh, spoken to humanity. God hasn't spoken to Israel in particular. This is 400 years of of waiting, of anticipation, of hope that God hasn't forgotten Israel and all of humanity, that God would fulfill his uh, old promises to bring uh, humanity in this world to rights. 400 years until God spoke to a particular man, a nobody from the rural town of Bethlehem, a man named Joseph. And God speaks to him in a really unusual way, but he's done this before in a dream. And all, so all this is happening uh, in history. All the things that I've explained in 400 years without a word And then we have, you know, between uh, Malachi and here, we have a genealogy explaining the lineage of Jesus and then this story, which I'll read once again. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from uh, the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he uh, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take uh, Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Uh, If I can find my drink here. So God sent his son to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
taking on human form, not from Joseph, but from Joseph's uh, fiance, a virgin named Mary. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets, including uh, promises like the one that the, a savior, our Savior would be born of a virgin, as we see uh, from Isaiah that Matthew is citing. Uh, but this son, whom Joseph, Joseph is instructed to name Jesus, came uh, not just to become a man, but also to die a very important death. He was born in order to die as a sacrifice. As God explains to Joseph, he will save his people uh, from their sins. Jesus came to save us from the brokenness that has infected both us and the world, that leads to death, uh, to slavery, to sin, to captivity from the serpent, and ultimately to our uh, deserved judgment from God. This is what he's come uh, to save us from. Uh, That's what his death is for. That is why he was born to die. And this is why the name, uh, he's to be named Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means to deliver, to rescue. Jesus is God's rescue plan. No matter how strange we might think it is, the way the rescue worked was for Jesus to be born a human person and then be killed by the same humanity that he came to save so that God would accept his death as a sacrifice in order to reconcile humanity with God, with himself. And anyone who trusts in this sacrifice will be saved. That's the promise. And another important piece to the story of the birth of Jesus is that he was born uh, not only to die, but also was born to die and then to come back to life as a living king. You know, he, Jesus isn't, don't believe, you know, the Roman Catholic churches when you see with Jesus on the cross, you know, looking dead. He's not dead. He's come, uh, he, he's been taken down from the cross, gone into the tomb and rose from the dead. He is alive. He is uh, the living king. And his resurrection, his rising from death is one more promise. Uh, thus, those who uh, trust in him will also be raised from death and restored to a new creation. And all any of us needs to do to have certainty in these promises is to stop turning away from God and trying to run life on our own and instead to return to God, trusting Jesus, making him the, uh, the king, the, the Lord of our life. Um, one of the, the greatest uh, Christmas hymns that is well known to all of us is Joy to the World which we'll sing in just a few days. Joy to the world. This song is all about what I've just said. Make no mistake that joy to the world is about accepting and rejoicing in the news of our king. Just listen to the, um, the opening lines of the song that say, say this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Uh, When we accept Jesus as the rescuing Lord of our life and make him our king by preparing room for him in our hearts, two things happen for us. First, although we uh, continue to reside in this world that's full of brokenness, that will be full of the bad news feed except for those very few stories in the week each week. You know, we continue uh, to reside in this world that God begins to restore us from the inside out. Uh, we receive his Holy Spirit who resides in us, and he, he begins to recreate us and uh, back into the creatures that we're always meant to be. 
And we also, here's the second thing that happens. We have a promise that we're not uh, meant to continue to live in the brokenness and continue to have sin infecting us. But the second thing is that we have a promise to an eternal life in a perfect world, once again according to God's plan, uh, that can be declared once again good uh, in all honesty, in every way. The world we will reside in will be perfectly renewed, and we will be completely completely renewed in that day and in that place, and we will dwell amongst renewed people, no longer living in rebellion against God and at enmity with each other. Just hear this description of our future hope from Revelation uh, chapter 7. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the story of Christmas. All of this is the story of Christmas, which is the story behind the meaning and purpose of the world. Uh, There are are certainly many, many more details that I could have uh, provided. Uh, We have limited time, and so this is the gist. This is the gist of Christmas. Um, And I hope you'll join me not only in believing this story, but also in trusting in its protagonist, who is none other than Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, uh, who's come to be God with us, born uh, to die as a sacrifice and to rise again as our our living king, paving the path for us to eternal life. And, And we may now rejoice that this is a good story. It has a possibility of a very happy, and not only happy, but joyous uh, ending. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, uh, the, the, the story that you've given us, the history that you've given us, both of things past and things to come, uh, that we uh, do not live this life uh, without uh, knowing your plan and what you've done for us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be uh, your rescue plan for us. Help us day by day to Uh, trust in these promises, we pray, especially this Christmas season. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.